0: Hey y'all, I know what you're thinking. Oh my God, not another podcast. And I agree, you know, I'm typically that person that doesn't listen to podcasts either, but my name is Will Johnson and I'm here to bring something a little different for you. This is the At Homish Podcast, creating spaces where we belong. Welcome back to the At Homish podcast, Creating Spaces Where We Belong. I cannot believe we are already at six episodes. This has been such an amazing run. I think back to, you know, roughly a year ago, because I want to say, yeah, it was a year ago that I was having a conversation with Jen Todd out of Detroit. Shout out to Jen. But we were talking about, you know, wanting to create a podcast and or doing something at least. And so, you know, it all started with a video we recorded in detroit and i know we talked about recording when i I visited for the first time in march but that didn't happen it was saint patrick's day that's a story for another time but then when i went back in the summer we actually did a couple videos behind the house at the lake which was awesome but it was so funny so quirky we're just having a good time with it and then um we recorded one in front of the charles wright museum in detroit and the the topic was about an event that happened for black history. And the question was around why aren't there people of other ethnicities showing up? But from there was when we actually recorded the video that was outside the Lake Pontchartrain hotel or the Pontchartrain hotel. That's right on the, the Detroit river across from Canada, which some people got to see on Jen's YouTube channel. And you know, it really kind of broke the ice of, all right, we're going live we're recording. And you know, based on a lot of the feedback from that video, And it really just kind of set the the pace and the cadence for uh, this podcast here, where so far it's only me. (laughs) But, you know, we're going to get some guests on here pretty soon and engage in some more conversations because I really enjoyed that conversation with Jen back then. And, you know, we still talk and we just got to get together and create some content. But, you know, after that, to be able to to meet up with Brandy and he, she introduced me to Trent because I didn't know the first thing about creating a podcast. That was another part of the the struggle that that Jen and I had as we were trying to navigate it. We didn't know. We're just trying to figure it out. But I saw that Brandy had a podcast and then I heard that Trent produced it. I'm like, okay, well, let me connect with Trent. But then I hear Megan and Sheila on their podcast and they want me to be a guest on it. So I'm on their podcast. But then I was on Simon Phillips podcast out of the UK. I'm like, I'm becoming the podcast king. Hey, you know, all this time in front of the mic. And then I was on Brandy's podcast. And then I was on Sarah, the Market Maven's podcast. And then I was on Mo's podcast. I love it when, make sure you check that one out. Just so many good things going on. So much content, so much information, such good people. And so I'm excited to now be at six episodes of my own podcast with a lot more to come. merchant stores. We're working on some, some tweaking the logo a little bit based on some feedback. And so just get ready for that big launch coming up soon, as well as the website and everything else that goes along with it. <sighs> So enough about me and all this podcast and stuff. This week so far has been absolutely amazing. One of the things that was most amazing to me is a discovery that I made. (laughs) And, you you know, you call it a discovery, but other people already know about it. There was a movie that was filmed here in Snohomish in 1979. This is important because I remember watching the movie in the movie theater with my mom In 1981, just a little kid in Atlanta, Georgia, all right? The movie was titled Bustin' Loose, all right? And it starred Richard Pryor and Cicely Tyson. The movie was about these kids who were in an orphanage in Philadelphia, okay? The orphanage was closing down, and these eight kids specifically, they couldn't find a home for Okay, speaking about at-home-ish, trying to find a home. But they couldn't find a home for these kids because these kids had special needs. And it was a diverse group of kids. There were were a couple of Mexican kids, Puerto Rican, black, white, one kid who was blind. One of the kids, (laughs) he, he used to steal people's wallets. Another one was a pyromaniac. Another one was Vietnamese, and she was sold into prostitution at a young age. I mean, it was just like these kids that had so much life trauma, so many difficulties along with these special needs, and they could not find a home. So Cicely Tyson decides, you know what? I want to find a home for these kids. And yeah, I know it was a movie, but I want to find, I want to make a home for these kids at my family farm just outside of Seattle. And I'm like, okay, well, we're outside of Seattle. And again, I saw the movie as a kid. I wasn't even thinking about the Northwest back then. But then once I became a special education teacher and for some reason, the movie just came up in my mind. And I'm like, oh, I want to watch this again. And I'm like, oh, these are kids with special needs. These are the, the, the type of students I typically work with. Wow, I have such a connection to this movie. This is awesome. And I love the soundtrack, too. You got to check out the soundtrack. There are some amazing songs on there children's songs, Just When I Needed You, You Stop Loving Me, Roberta Flack, like, lays it down. But (laughs) I remember, like, that movie just, like, really stuck with me. And so earlier this week, I'm doing some research and just, you know, really trying to learn more about the community as I'm, you know, working to help build and nurture community for everybody here. And I see that that movie was filmed here. I'm like, how in the world is one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid that really connects to the work that I do. It was actually filmed in this community where I get to work and just a couple blocks away from we're recording this podcast. And, and I think it's just amazing because upon that realization, that discovery, I'm like, I want to talk to some people who have been in Snohomish for a while. I want to find out, like, OK, who was here in 79? Who, who remembers this? And I actually have had an opportunity to talk with some people They're like, oh, yeah, I remember that because they were they were looking for some extras to come down on First Street and be a part of it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And then I remember uh, I was talking to another person and they were like, oh, yeah, I just remember something about these kids getting off this bus. And if you watched the movie, I highly recommend go watch the movie Bust and Lose. It was rated R, but it was rated R in 1981 terms that there's this, the school bus that they're in Hey. I, to Look at that bus. It's like, how did that bus even make it across the block? Much less getting all the way from Philadelphia to Snohomish, Washington. I'm wondering if that bus even exists somewhere. You know, it would be fun to go down somewhere and be like, oh, that's the bus. Let's, let's clean it up. Matter of fact, let's remake the movie. I think that'd be something awesome to do because you know what? We, we do have in our society now kids who don't have a home. We have kids who don't have food, don't have access to what they need. And so, yeah, it's still a problem. It was a problem 50 years ago. It's a problem now. What can we do to make that happen? So enough about that. Let's go watch Bustin' Loose. Matter of fact, maybe we should do like a community movie night and just, you know, or maybe we'll reenact it. You know, I'll run down first street with a cowboy hat like I'm Richard Pryor. that will be awesome. So one of the things I want to talk about today is it's February. (laughs) I want to talk about some cultural recognitions because that's part of the work that I do with the school district. Every month I put out information on what are the big recognitions, celebrations that are going on or just things for awareness. And so. I did not mention this last month, and I absolutely should have, because I was talking about Dr. Martin Luther King. And towards the end of his life, one of the things that he was working on was something called the Poor People's Campaign. And, you know, he was all about having equal wages and opportunities for people. And a lot of people may not know this, but January is Poverty Awareness Month. And in the United States, about one out of every 10 people live in poverty. We're about the same here where in Snohomish it's about 8 percent, so a little bit lower. But we do have families in our community that are living below the poverty line, which basically means they don't have enough money or financial resources to meet their basic needs. We have folks, unfortunately, you know, maybe living in cars or going from hotel room to hotel room or living with other folks. And it's it's just a tough situation to be in. And when I really think about poverty awareness, as it relates to the work that I do, knowing that if someone didn't eat dinner, didn't eat breakfast, they're probably not going to be focused on learning. And so it's pretty common for, for teachers to actually have food in their classrooms or there'd be like a food closet or something where, Oh, hey you're hungry go down to the counseling office and make sure that, that folks have something to eat and of course if you're in your car or you're you're in a, in a home where there there's a lot of people and a lot of noise you may not be getting rest and so these are all things that we do take into consideration when kids come to school because we understand that if you're not getting sleep you don't feel safe you're not being fed that you might need some additional support when you show up so January is Poverty Awareness Month. And what I did my my first year in the district is I actually worked with some people from the city to create a flyer of various resources. And so well, the Food Bank, the Snohomish Lions, the Kiwanis, there's there's some places for shelter. I mean, there's like this just like, just one pager of these different links that people could access to get the resources that they need. Because I remember one time going to the library uh, and this was... I want to say I was living in Puyallup at the time, but I go into the Puyallup library and I look at this wall and there's this wall full of resources. It was so amazing. And it was nothing that I needed at the time. And so how often do we have some resources posted in places where the people who need them may not actually see it? And so we made sure with that flyer that we had it in all of our schools teachers who wanted it. They were you know able to put it in their classrooms. The admin assistant I work with, she put it in the folders to go out to families who we knew were either receiving free or reduced lunch or may have been experiencing homelessness. So really making sure that information got out there. And the progression in, in that work was, was has been pretty amazing to me because as we were coming into December, someone from our office came up to me and like, well, I know you and some folks put a lot of work into this form." And it was good at the time, but I'd like to revamp it and really make it our own. And along with that, we want some of the links outdated. So let's make sure we have updated active links for all these organizations. But also we're going to add a QR code. And so if someone's looking for these resources or someone's pointed to this document and maybe English isn't their first language, there's a QR code on the center of the page. So someone scan the QR code. And you can go to the website where it's available in numerous languages. And so really making sure that people have access to what they need. So as I mentioned, January was Poverty Awareness Month. Today is February 1st. So let's talk about some of the things that happened in February, starting with the Lunar New Year. Now, I was actually on a Zoom call, was it last year or a year before? I don't recall right now. It was February. I want to say it was February 1st. And I'll talk a little bit more about the the dates in a minute. But it was February 1st. And it was a panel that was talking about equity and inclusion. The whole panel was African-American. The conversation was about African-American concerns. And as we were talking about equity, there was a, uh, I'll call it a whisper on the call of, What about Lunar New Year? And I was like, yeah, you're 100% right. And I had already done my research at that time because Lunar New Year is actually one of the major celebrations in Asian communities. Now, a lot of people may say Chinese New Year because I'm not going to lie. That's the term I first heard. But the celebrations go beyond China to other Eastern and, and Southeast Asian countries. And so Lunar New Year is the proper term. In my, in my research on this, again, I'm, I have all these new discoveries that some people are like, well, yeah, we've known that forever. Lunar New Year is, of course, based on the moon, which is totally different from the solar calendar, which we may be used to with the months of January or February, March, all that stuff. And we have that whole New Year's Day on January. But with the Lunar New Year, it was a little confusing to me as I was navigating what, what to post about it, because two years ago, the Lunar New Year started on February 1st. OK, last year, as I was updating our cultural recognitions, I had the January recognition written up, aware, awareness, written up for Poverty Awareness Month. And someone was like, well, aren't you going to include Lunar New Year? And I'm like, that's not till February. What are you talking about? They're like, no, dude, it starts. It was like January 20 something. I'm like, it it moved. Like, why, why, why is it different? Because, well, it's Lunar. Figure it out. And I'm like, oh, OK, OK, OK. So that January 20th date was the first full moon of the new year solar. OK. And so I'm sitting here thinking, like, all right, so it's going to be the first new moon of the year. And I'm going to have that in mind and, and I'll remember it and it'll be great. OK, fine, cool. So man, we're getting to 2024. And so I'm like, OK, so it's going to be the first moon. I wasn't tracking the moon, but then as I'm looking at the calendar, because that's what I do, or I'll look at, look at Google, and I'm seeing that the Lunar New Year starts this year in February. So, of course, I had to change my my January cultural recognition because the Lunar New Year was going to start in February. And hey, no big deal. Let me just go in, change it. Life will be great, whatever. But then a couple weeks ago... I'm driving home and I look out the window and I'm like, huh, it's January. And that moon looks almost full. It's it's not going to be f- that that same full moon isn't going to be full in February. How, how, what? what how, how is this the first full moon of the new year? And it's not the lunar new year. And like, oh. So I had to go do some research again and. What I uncovered, and again, I know this isn't news to some people because they already knew it, but it was news to me, so I'm going to share it, and maybe it is news to some of y'all. The lunar new year is actually the second full moon after the winter solstice, okay? So, right, The, the, the longest night of the year, the shortest day, the second full moon after that point is the lunar new year which means it can fall anywhere from about January 20th to February 20th, anywhere in that that month time period. So after listening to this podcast, hopefully this education has helped you to no longer be confused on why is Lunar New Year moving around? Because it's not based on the solar calendar that we're so accustomed to here. The more you know. (laughs) So along with Lunar New Year coming in this February, and I don't know when it is for next year. I I just do my calendar one week at a time. <laughs> it was also brought to my attention that February is dating violence awareness month. Kind of a heavy topic, different than what I typically do, but one that's super important. I, I want to toss out there real quick because, you know, as we talk about creating spaces where we belong, uh, belonging is safety and It's so important that we feel safe, especially in our closest relationships. And so when I think about dating violence, I really appreciate something I read, and it was just a couple months ago, even though I'll preface with this. My mom always used to tell me, okay, when you're out with someone, you're dating someone, you're in a relationship with someone, you think about them and you treat them in a way that you want. me as my mom, my sister or my daughter to be treated. And I'm like, Ooh, okay. Okay. And I'm a good guy anyway. But you know, that was the message for me that you just, you just always treat people right. And you take care of them. And so, you know, there's information that I had received about dating violence awareness and what I had read kind of flipped the script on we've often tell our, our our girls and our women oh well here's what you can do to be safe here's how you can protect yourself when really it's a hey, guys no you need to show up you need to be men you need to be be respectful be supportive be positive it's, it's your behavior that needs to change because we have a responsibility to not put our women, our girls, our daughters in danger. So you hear me, guys? You hear me? And ladies, you hear me? That guy act the fool, hey, call me. We're going to take care of that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you know you deserve to be treated in a way where you, you don't have to worry about your safety, whether it's emotional safety, physical safety. It, that's important. And, you know, guys, be better. Okay? Moving on from dating Violet's awareness and Lunar New Year, there's something else happening in February. What could that one be? Could it be uh, Black History Month? Ding, 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 (laughs) ding. I've always, I can't say I've always struggled with Black History Month. Where I'm going with this is I grew up in Georgia. And where I grew up in Georgia was just outside of Atlanta. And I know I've mentioned this on an episode before. Most people look like me. And what we did was we studied everything that, you know, we would typically study, I I believe, based on what I know. But then you'd, you'd, you'd come up to January, right? And in January, you know, January was all about Dr. King. So I was like, all right, we got Dr. King this month. And then that last week or so of January, All of the teachers are now decorating their classrooms with Rosa Parks and Coretta Scott King and Malcolm X and Ida Wells. And I mean, like all these different people. And it's like, you knew, all right, we are entering Black History Month because February, we're going to learn all about black people for these 28, 29 days. And then it's going to be gone. And that's what happened in the area where I grew up. And it was mostly people who look like me. And so fast forward. Oh, my gosh. Graduated in 92. So over 30 years now, I'm not that old. Really, I'm not. When I hear people talk about being progressive or making progress in the conversations we have about what it means to be American and how whether it's. Asian American, which is such a broad term, just like African American. But if we're using these terms and defining people by their continent of origin, realizing that people didn't just contribute during whatever month they're being recognized, that you know our collective history is our American history. And so how do we now make sure that we're spreading it out throughout the year? So if someone's birthday is in May, okay, we're talking about this in May. If somebody invented something in September, we're talking about it in September. But I also do understand that in some spaces we we aren't having the conversation. So there is still that focus to say, hey, we're at least going to take this month to make sure that we're recognizing it. So it gets out there. And I've, I've seen so much amazing stuff. And I will express that I've seen like there, there's definitely the surge in February. But as I go throughout our school buildings throughout the year, I see all types of representation, regardless of the month. And so it's just really amazing what, what I'm seeing. I do want to address something that has come up as a topic around Black History Month, because if we're unaware of the history, it's, it's easy to make some assumptions And so I've heard the comment previously, oh, yeah, well, Black History Month is the coldest and the shortest month. Of course, we celebrate it then. Why couldn't we celebrate it in like a a longer month, you know, where the weather's nice, you know, maybe May because that has 31 days and it's coming in the spring and, you know, that would be awesome. Well, it'd be because the people who first came up with the idea of Black History Week, okay, okay was also an african-american at the time but carter g woodson when they came up with the black history week they chose a specific week in the month of february that contained the birthdays of abraham lincoln who was known for something with african-american history and also frederick Douglass, who worked closely with abraham lincoln and people during that time frame to, you know, help to free the enslaved people. <laughs> and so it's like, we want to take time to recognize these two individuals and honor the accomplishments and I'm losing the word I'm looking for right now, but the works of, of African-Americans during this time period between these two birthdays. And so, no, it wasn't a matter of being shunned to the shortest, coldest month. There were reasons behind why that time period was chosen. And it was actually in 1976. I might have my year wrong. Forgive me. But it was President Ford in the 70s who actually decided, along with several other colleges and universities, let's expand this beyond a week and make it a full month to recognize all of the accomplishments of African-Americans throughout our history. And one thing I want to add with that is, you know, it's kind of kind of like that whole 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 movie piece, because the, the movie is, is just a snapshot. We don't know the whole story of what went on with that. And when we think about the history that we're that we're told, that we're able to read, do, do you know how many things have been invented by people or ideas that have been presented where it's the person with the title or the position that now gets the recognition And there were a whole lot of other people behind the scenes making it happen. Makes me think about even last month when I was talking about the Dr. Martin Luther King assembly, because they played a video right before I went up and in the video, they were talking about Dr. King had a speech writer like what? I mean, he wrote some books, he wrote some speeches of course, and he was such an excellent orator. That's my opinion, but I think he was a great orator. But the thing is, the night before the I Have a Dream speech that was delivered in 1963, the video talks about how he was up the night before. So if you're one of those people who do your homework the night before, like, cram and like not kind of cram. They're cramming the night before writing the speech to prepare for, for the, what became this big historical event. But it wasn't just him. It was several people. And so how many other names do we know? that actually contribute, it contributed to the writing of that speech. In the video, it even talks about how the dream that was communicated wasn't even a part of the original speech. It was something that he had talked to Mahalia Jackson about, who was a, a gospel singer, and Mahalia Jackson yells out to him while he's speaking, Martin, tell him about the dream. And so then in that moment, it switched to what it came to be. And so I'm saying all that to to just go over in our lives as we're creating these spaces where we belong. It's important to to listen to others, to acknowledge others, create that space for that inclusive voice and really hear from people to help build something that that works for all of us. Because if we're only trying to do it all on our own, guess what it represents? Just us. And that's not how we create spaces for belonging. As always. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to the At Homish podcast. I was so excited, was it last week? I think it was last week, to see someone in the community wearing some At ish gear. I'm like, that's what's up. And then uh, I had someone actually order off the website. So, I, I, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I appreciate the support through buying the merch. If you see me on the street, because I kind of stand out, say hi, let's talk. Maybe we'll even have coffee, have a good time. But I, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in for future episodes. If you haven't listened to any episodes prior to this, go back and listen to them. Because it's like it—it's a story that's developing here. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the next couple episodes, getting some guests on here and continuing telling our story of belonging. And in closing, when we wise up, we rise up. Peace out.